0: I think the uh, sarcasm goes over the top of some people's heads sometimes. And then you always get the, why do you have kids if you're not enjoying it? Can you enjoy scooping poo out of undies?
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Motherhood Made Magic podcast. I am your host, Anna Cusack. Today I am speaking with Katie Bowman. Katie is a mother to three girls, including fraternal twins. She is an Australian author and a defence wife who enjoys following her husband around Australia while experiencing different lifestyles. I think enjoying is an interesting word to use there. Is that part of what you really enjoy doing, moving around Australia, or does sometimes you just you just want to stay still?
0: Obviously, once you've made some good friends, you'd love to stay in the same place. But it, I have enjoyed moving around because. You never think you're gonna enjoy once you get to the next place because you need to start fresh again, but you you do. You have so many new places to explore and new people to meet. And just when you meet other defence families in that area, they become your family. You know, it's
1: really great. We've spoken before about how villagelessness is a problem across the broader Australian motherhood experience. How has that been for you when you you do really have to uproot everything and go again.
0: I think it depends on uh, how well you have settled in to each place. And if you've kind of met that group of people that you connect with, when you haven't really made those connections, it's obviously quite easy to uproot everything and leave because you don't feel like you're leaving a great deal behind. But I mean, when you have this, you know, there's tears and crying and it's really hard. I mean, one of the great things about it all is you kind of, you run into people again at different postings. So it's yeah. it's a bit of a
1: goodbye for now, but see you
0: soon scenario.
1: So that's really interesting. I hadn't considered how you may just be apart for a couple of years and then cross back over again. No guarantee of it, but there's a chance. Were you involved, your family involved in the Defence Forces when you first became pregnant and had your children?
0: I had nothing to do with the Defence Force until I'd met my husband so everything was fresh and new and trying to
1: understand everything it was yeah a big learning curve. Can you tell us a bit about the early years and how perhaps being part of a Defence Force family influenced that transition to motherhood with your first daughter?
0: In the beginning, I I didn't really give any thought to it. I just figured we'd kind of, you know, cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, I never really thought about it once we started having children either. I really just kind of took each obstacle that came at me. I guess the hardest part of it that I had to learn was getting involved in all the local groups that I could to figure out the family-friendly areas and places to be involved with my daughter to try and make all the transitions a bit easier for not only myself but for her and my other kids now too so they didn't feel like they were lonely and saying bye to people and that was that you know trying to help them understand that you might say goodbye to this place and these friends but look at this great new place and all these new friends that you're going to meet
1: yeah I can see how there are great opportunities and also perhaps as they get older that you're really having to teach them about about that balance between that it's okay to have sadness and grief about leaving one place while also knowing that life is still good and and that you can start again and it opens you up to a whole new world of possibility in a new place. Yeah, and I
0: mean, I'm probably making it sound easier than it is. It's mm. like, it's horrible. It's It's so sad watching them be sad and it's not always easy to help them see the positives because I mean, they're little kids with big emotions. But yeah, just trying to help them navigate All of that. I feel like that's possibly been one of the hardest things with having kids and having to move around so often. When did you
1: start writing, Katie? Either writing your books or writing your blog, whichever came first for you.
0: My blog came first probably like a year and a half ago now. And um, yeah, it was after lots of people started finding my page and following me. And there was a real encouragement for me to write a book. So I did. I think that's been one of the greatest things I've
1: ever done that one brings me a lot of joy. What do you think was different about the voice that you were giving? Yeah, the content that you were putting out on your page that really, like your pages had massive growth. If it's only a year and a half, you've got what, like 25,000 people reading what you write. What sets the Katie description of motherhood apart to some of the other, I don't know, mum bloggers that are around?
0: Um, I don't I don't sugarcoat it and I try to bring a laugh at the same time. So, I mean, I try to find a really fun balance between not glamming up motherhood into some, you know, picture-perfect little scenario or anything like that. I, I post the real, raw, honest things that are happening. But um, I also try not to bog myself down in them either, like acknowledging how hard it can be and and, of course, acknowledging how fun it can be but also trying to turn those real crappy situations into a laugh because I mean, it's hard to laugh in the moment, but you do look back and you, you laugh at it. You laugh at the fact that you're out in public and your kids have like, like one of my kids in particular used to, I don't know why, after she was toilet trained, she would deliberately poo in her pants and she'd just get this smirk on her face and be like, I did a poo poo. And, um, at the time, like I'm fuming because kids poo in their pants. It's literally smeared everywhere.
1: Yeah. And, um,
0: <laughs> you know, you're try- trying to peel off their pants and stuff and it's going everywhere and it's streaking down their legs and you're so mad at the time because, of course, it's happened when you're like trying to make dinner or something. But, I mean, you look back and you, you can laugh about it and I think that's a really important thing to try and do. So I try to focus on that a lot because it's just more enjoyable when you acknowledge that... Yeah, part of it sucks so much, but laugh.
1: <laughs> I read a post of yours recently that said, "Check in with your friends who are parents of multiple children aged three. They are probably not okay." Is that where you're at now? Your your twittens are three, aren't they? They are. Yeah. Describe the hecticness. You know
0: what? I I need to find wood to like knock as I speak. But three has been better than two. Okay. Um, <laughs> they're they're really acknowledging that they are their own person now and they are not like each other they have their own clothes and you know god forbid one of them pulls out a shirt that belongs to the other to wear their own toys their own everything it just never ends like <laughs> there's non-stop arguing mainly about that but it's easier than two two was a nightmare
1: yeah two with two sounds really really full-on
0: Oh, man, I'm pretty sure I almost cried like daily. (laughs) It
1: was so crazy. Now, I'm going to read out some of our posts of yours from April. Just use your imagination, listeners, and insert like some additional obscenities. It's so special to be our kids' safe place where they can release their emotions. But all in all, also, what the? Yesterday, I actually got down to my kids' level, stared into their eyes and whispered, Satan, is that you? I think we can all really uh, relate to, um, to that. Sorry, my dramatic reading is probably in a slightly different voice to what, you, um, <laughs> to what you may have envisaged. But I don't think that kind of thing is written out there. And, you, you know, you've mentioned before reading books about motherhood didn't really prepare you for much more than the typical run-of-the-mill info. What stuff do you feel like would have actually helped you to know about either first time around when you had your singleton daughter or second time around when when your twins were coming.
0: I feel like a lot of it focuses on all the physical things that are happening and nothing really prepares you for the emotional ride that you're going to be going on. I felt like I was constantly failing at everything and there must be something wrong with either me or my kids because it was meant to be this you know textbook scenario that we're meant to follow along and we weren't, there were so many struggles, mainly emotionally. I I just wish there was so much more out there that said, said like, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to have these feelings and emotions and you know, the real feelings that everyone feels doesn't mean you don't love your kids. And it doesn't mean there's nothing wrong with them, but like, it's hard and you're going to feel like you're failing and you're going to feel like you just want to scream some days.
1: I think it's this interesting mix, isn't it? Because we have to prepare mothers that these feelings are coming and that it's going to feel hard. But we also have to look at why it feels hard and why it feels so unsupported and be preparing mothers for what the reality is now, but actually undoing some of that reality so that the next, you know, the women after us don't come under these sort of pressures that we can see are just cracked.
0: Yes. And this is one of the things why I'm continuing to write all the my true feelings. Um, I'm hoping that by the time my kids have kids, assuming they want to, I just, I really hope there's a shift in society and how we view everything. And I hope there is so much more acceptance for mums to speak out about the hard parts, because I feel like at the moment, if if you talk about the hard parts, you're ungrateful. You know, mm-hmm. they don't, see it as someone just honestly speaking about how they feel and you know it's it's a cry for help that you just want to know you're not alone more than anything.
1: Mm, I'm at that point I'm getting at least one person each day telling me that my opinions show how ungrateful I am and how extraordinarily selfish. It's a nice one too. Yeah it's um it's interesting what people want to say about probably with a much greater following you get a whole a whole lot of this oh yeah I've cupped some good flack <laughs> oh yeah I don't know like I just feel that it's really refreshing to find spaces like yours that do present the like yeah it's great and yet yeah, it's rubbish but here's like actual life in between and that's kind of where I go with my book between like the dazzling highs and the really real challenges that the rest of life kind of happens in the middle, but you're able to present it in a way that is quite interesting, relatable and funny. And I I love that you have in your little bio that you're fluent in sarcasm and comedy. (laughs) I think that really being able to have those things when you're talking about motherhood is quite a skill. It's an emotive topic. Yeah.
0: I think the uh, sarcasm goes over the top of some people's heads sometimes. though. And then you always get the, why do you have kids if you're not enjoying it? Yes. I mean, can you enjoy scooping poo out of undies? I mean, if, if someone can find the joy in scooping poo out of undies, then, I mean, all the power to
1: them. There was a guru, I don't know, a Buddha or a Gandhi or someone like that who said that you can make cleaning the toilets your meditation if you're that mindful and aware of it. I'm like, yeah, but, like, were you chasing a toddler around the room while they're trying to smear their own poo over everything? Like, can you actually be Buddha (laughs) in that situation? Or would you rather go like, actually, this part of my day isn't great. I don't have to love every bit of it. Yes, exactly.
0: You cannot find perfection in every moment of your day. It's okay Mm. to lose it.
1: I, I really want to hear about your book. There's a dragon involved. There are twins involved. Is it kind of reflective of a story of your life? It's called Ember the Dragon.
0: Yes, no, it's got nothing to do with my life. Um, okay. It's just I had these little rhymes in my head and I started putting them down and eventually it all kind of tied together in a really fun story about the beginnings. Two brothers set out with ten bucks in a wagon to adopt a new cat that came home with a dragon. You know, obviously their mum is, you know, less than impressed. Um, <laughs> but the boys insist they can keep it and um, it just goes on with the dragon who you know, creates chaos in the house, um, which funnily enough is the dragon, not the twins. And the boys have to kind of step up there and acknowledge what's going on. And um, it ends with a really nice message that pets are forever. Yeah, I mean, my kids like it and have really great reviews from everyone else. Some people say they read it almost every single night to their kids. It's one of the most favourite picked ones in their house at the moment. So that makes me really happy to hear.
1: Yeah, that's lovely feedback to get messages like that. It's wonderful. That's a, that's the kind of book that should be given at Christmas instead of instead of puppy farm puppies and kittens and
0: absolutely. But speaking of Christmas, I do have another one I'm trying to get out in time for Christmas, oh, Christmas that awesome. goes along with Ember's adventures.
1: So is it kind of a sequel or are you working on a different a different premise no, this time? No, it's definitely a sequel. All Exciting. the same characters again. Yeah. So the writing and self-publishing of a of more of a non-fiction kind of book probably looks quite different to a picture book although the passion still starts with words how did you go about doing the picture element of it and the design element of it i'm always fascinated when i look at picture books and i see you know when there's text on the page and it's saying the rock rolled down, down, down and the words go down the page as well. There's all these extra little creative elements that go with a children's book or a picture book. Yeah. That haven't been part of my writing experience. How do you do all that stuff? Uh,
0: well, I didn't illustrate it. I'm very much a stick figure person. <laughs> um, so step one, found... you get the right person on your team. Yes. Like, so I made sure I had all my writing done first and then I looked through a bunch of portfolios and I found the um the style that was jumping out at me. And I was really lucky first time round to find one and she was available and I mean affordable for me as well, which
1: was really important.
0: I told her what I had in my mind and she just brought it to life. She was amazing.
1: And it's such a great feeling to get that into your hands when, you know, I had the graphics done for my book cover of Mama You're Not Broken. And I just was I'm still so in love with it because it is exactly my vision brought to life how that feels flicking through pages and pages of that vision that wouldn't have existed without your poetry story to bring it there that must be really great it is and every time she
0: sends me a new one I mean sometimes it's like she kind of reads between the lines of it and um, comes back with a sketch and it's it might not be what I had in my mind and I'll be like,
1: oh my gosh, that's that's actually perfect. Like that just fits it so well. I saw a meme recently that was going around about how never have I ever felt so seen as when I saw the back seat of the car in Bluey. Do you have some elements in real life kind of portrayed in your book or real twin life portrayed in your book that way? I don't think I do actually
0: and I don't know if it's because the twins in my book are older, and I'm I'm hoping in my mind that maybe we've got our <laughs>
1: together by that age. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can mess it up a bit for one page in your new book, or maybe the dragon's oh, doing funny. all the messing anyway.
0: Oh, I, there's some solid mess in that first book by the dragon, <laughs> which I guess okay, that's my life without the dragon.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, this is this is the spirit of your twins has been put into this dragon to make the chaos. Yes. <laughs> I sort of found it that as much as I was really driven to do the book and it was related to parenting and motherhood and the experience of having kids, which, you know, your book is a kid's book. It's kind of along the same ideas. I found that in some ways really wanting to get it done actually made spending time with my child kind of irritating sometimes because I wanted to be working on the thing Ugh. that was dedicated to her anyway. I feel that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, I'm lucky at the moment. I've got two days a week where the twins go to daycare so I can try to focus all my energy on getting my work done. But I'm also trying to balance it, I mean, in school hours, which are even shorter because once she starts school, that's kind of my only opportunity to get on top of all my housework and stuff like that because, I mean, we all know you take one step forward and three steps back when the kids are at home and you're trying to clean yeah trying to find time to write can be a real struggle and sometimes it's nothing more than an hour on those days um but I mean you know it's like tortoise and the hare slowly but surely you get there (laughs) and then it's successful when you do
1: yeah that's it you do it in a way that's sustainable and and workable and constantly renegotiating who can yes do what and contribute to the house in different ways and all those things shift as your kids go through different ages too don't they
0: oh absolutely I mean when I wrote the first book um we were we were down in Victoria and the twins were two my goodness it was an interesting year and like they they were consistently not sleeping through the night I can't remember if they'd started daycare or not but I mean, I was writing at like 2am after I'd settled them back to sleep or something. Like that's when I was finding my little pockets of time to write. So really, this
1: feels a lot easier. Yeah, there's a, um, a book by Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love called Big Magic. The page that I read yesterday was about people always manage to find that 10 minutes to meet up with a lover if they're really infatuated, even if they don't have time to do the other things that are less important to them in that day. And you just really invent time whenever you feel that it's going to fuel you instead of deplete you. Because sometimes I find that it is a day that I have an hour or a two hour period to myself and they're the days that I have the least inspiration and all I can do is like lay down
0: yes I feel that so deeply
1: <laughs> it's so true the best inspiration often happens for me when I do have a day that is just a completely mum day but just a period of time where I'm not really doing anything else except for being with her and some idea jumps in and that's what I want to run away with I don't know if that's how how your your rhyming books kind of work as well you just get a little niggle of something that you go oh this could be a really good rabbit hole to run down
0: yeah I don't know it literally just pops into my head it's mainly like it never comes as like you know a full hit Mm. at once but like one or two lines just kind of pops in and I always have to try and put that one down and work with it later But when I'm writing um, like any motherhood opinion articles or anything for my blog, I find that most of my my best stuff comes out in the most chaotic times. That's when Mm. my brain is just fueled by mayhem and maybe I'm trying to find the funny side at the time and all these weird little words pop into my head like, when they've been running around and I'm like, oh, you've left little shit prints everywhere because you've stepped in like the dog's poo or something. And it, it's, yeah, that's when it all comes to me really. And I feel like a lot of people relate to those ones the best. They get the best response because, I mean, no one talks about it. And they're like, yes,
1: someone finally said it out loud. Yeah, someone found the words that I was looking for.
0: Yeah. And it's also funny the way that like the things that other mums can relate to the most are also the ones that bring me so much negative feedback from other people. So it's really interesting kind of that real obvious line where some people are willing to say it out loud and
1: others kind of refuse, you know, like if if you say it out loud, you're a bad person. Do you think that's generational or do you think that's polarizing between mothers who are not comfortable with the content that you're posting Mm,
0: I feel like it's a mixture and I mean I also get some really great ones from
1: like single childless men
0: (laughs) and I'm like okay yeah Yeah. if you say so
1: (laughs) I always feel like if you don't agree with me like you don't I'm not actually forcing you to read it I'm not standing up in front of you preaching like you're welcome just to go and read something else
0: exactly yeah but, I mean, they like to have their two cents and that's okay. Sometimes if I'm feeling especially mm. cheeky, I'll roll with it and give some sarcastic comments, which, I mean, just makes them matter that they're on my page. So, like, yeah, if you want to be here, well, yeah,
1: be here. If you don't, leave. Yeah. I think sometimes mums will often drop and read what you've written once their chaos for the day has ended once kids are in bed that doesn't mean they're not going to wake up through the night and be needed but you know when just that first little bit where you go all right I'm okay and then to see that you have also had just that much chaos happening in your day is really um comforting yeah I
0: after I had my eldest I I mean I don't know if mum blogs just weren't really around back then or anything But I struggled so much because she was a really tricky baby. She had a UTI at two weeks old and just, you know, cried consistently. And then, you know, the antibiotics that she had, no one told me she needed probiotics after. So the kind of crying and gut health problems all continued for months on end. And I just, I reckon I cried daily at that point. That was like the lowest of lows. It was really hard and I didn't really have any mum friends around I feel like I could have definitely benefited, benefited from finding a place online that was a bit of a safe place to read and know that I wasn't alone it really does give you a boost
1: I really hope that other people find that on my page and some days it feels like you're just riding out to the wind to no one but if we keep writing and doing things that are for ourselves first the people who need to hear it will find us one way or another yeah exactly it just grows and grows exactly and the conversation changes and morphs and the conversation now is different to how it was six seven years ago yeah I reckon so too just just getting bit by bit I think having social media means that these conversations morph much more quickly than a generational shift like the difference between say my generation and my mom's generation. I feel there's that much difference again between me at 30 and my niece at 15. Like I think everything's just condensing into shorter periods of time. Um, and I hope that I hope that we're both contributing to bring this really like bring this conversation along so that it's not even different by the time our daughters come, but different in five ten years from now
0: yeah I hope so too I mean men get to come home and talk about how hard work was and it's all you know adoring fans oh he works so hard but god forbid a mum say that she had the day from hell as well because that's
1: not allowed (laughs) it's really great to see it all shifting I'm so happy to be in that space with you and happy that you have been able to join me today here Where can we find you to read your personal blog, to read your children's book?
0: Um, So on Facebook under the page name Katie B. um, I believe the, you know, it's facebook.com slash at living my
1: family life.
0: Um, You can find it that way as well. Probably the
1: best way, yeah, to find me. Great. And from there, then you link to the website where you can buy Ember the Dragon as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. And I will see you online again soon. Brilliant. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope you love this episode as much as I loved recording it. If you wish, you can subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your podcast platform. And if you love my work, please be sure to follow along with me on social media at Anna Cusack Postpartum on Instagram and Facebook. And grab my book from www.annacusack.com.au slash book. Until next time, bye.